You guys can't, you can't see it, but there's text scrolling and telling you about the podcast and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, just a little forward before we get started. I refuse mm-hmm. to have Disney erase our history. Mm-hmm. It will forever be known as jizz to me. Oh, yes. Yep. Wait, what did Disney okay. say about For- this? They Disney they retconned it. They retconned the jizz, and they're now like, uh, actually, it's called Jats. It's not, it's not that anymore. It's Jats. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Even though Jats is a completely different type of music in the Star Wars universe. Oh really? It's already it already exists. Uh, for you are knocking the table yeah, too much he's already. He's ranting and raving. I'm sorry. I'm, Disney, uh, look at what you've done. I'm, you've I'm gonna get heated. So we're for, gonna talk about a lot of things. For those of you who don't know, particularly my mom, who's like, oh, Miles is just making an absurdist joke. Jizz was the name of the jazz played in Star Wars that you hear in the cantina in the first movie. It was called. It was actually called Jizz. Yeah, George but, Lucas was an innocent little boy that just didn't know. Yeah, he just thought it would be funny if he took the word jazz and changed the vowel with another one. Yeah. Hey, all How's you, it going? Hey, all you scruffy-looking nerve herders! Welcome back to another episode of the Takes It Took, a movie podcast. Scruffy. Hey, all of you well-kept nerf herders. (laughs) We have another episode for you today, Mm -hmm. and if you couldn't tell by the title, Miles, what are we covering today? Oh my god, it's time. It's finally time to do another Star Wars episode. Finally. Finally, because, shout out Rafi Burgos. He was like, yo, when y'all motherfuckers gonna do Star Wars again? It's been a while, and the first episode was kind of trash anyway, so like, (laughs) can we get like a real episode? He said it nicer than that. He said it nicer than that. (laughs) Uh, but we all know what he was thinking. Shout out my boy. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Rafi, for the suggestion, mm-hmm. impact that it made, and our general thoughts on it. But anyway, Miles, what have you watched recently? Well, I have, I've skipped out on my duties. Uh, <gasps> I have not watched a movie. I've been very busy watching Game of Thrones for the first time. Uh, it came out a very long Task. time ago. Uh Issa is like, hey, I like Game of Thrones. And I went, oh, I'll watch Game of Thrones for you. Mm. And then turns out um, it's just good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought? It is. <laughs> Everybody? I, I had, oh, man. Because I, I never watched it because I wanted to be like a little contrarian little bitch. And everyone was like, oh, my God, Game of Thrones is so good. You should watch it. And I was like, no, I don't want it. And now I'm like, oh, man, that's, Damn, pretty, that's pretty good. just got a fire. <laughs> yeah. This shit kind of good. I hate the Lannisters, though. Yeah. Except for that short one. The short one's okay, but all the other ones can die in a hole. Yeah. So anyway, that's what I've been up to. Cool. Well, Miles, I'll make you feel better. Um, I'm rewatching the HBO miniseries Chernobyl. Okay. I just want to shout out that quick. It's good. It's really good. Really good retelling of the events. A really good retelling of the Soviet Union's uh, fumble. Yeah. They, they couldn't, they couldn't uh, really handle the events and... You know, lies and deception and keeping the truth in and not letting the world know and blah, blah, blah. But also, real quick, I want to just shoehorn in another one. Me and Mariah watched a movie called We Came Together. They came They came together. The tagline is, she came, he came. They both came. It's Paul Rudd and... Amy Poehler. And it's like a uh, rom-com parody movie. It's absurd. (laughs) It it really is absurd. I, I... 
I wish I could remember more bits to tell you. And unfortunately, the one bit that I remember the most vividly in my mind, I don't think I want to spoil spoil or recreate here right now with my voice. So there's 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 like one bit where he goes through a door and there's arrows on the doorknob telling him which way to like turn the doorknob, but no one says anything about it. There's like people in the background doing really weird shit mm-hmm. that like you only notice if you're looking at the people in the background. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. It's oh, there's a bit where he's talking to a bartender and they just go in a loop because he says, "Wow, you could, t- you could say that again." That shit straight bomb. Yeah, it's, it, it's I, a silly. If you don't like nonsense, you won't like it. His budget three million. Box office eighty two thousand. Oh my god! <laughs> it is a nonsensical movie. There, it's framed by these two couples at dinner. And mm-hmm. one couple asks, oh, how did you meet? And they go, oh, it was kind of like a rom-com story. And so they keep cutting in between the story and them at dinner, where the couple is responding rationally to the nonsense that's being told to them. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I might watch that. That sounds It's funny. very funny. Yeah, you would enjoy it very much. It was, it was a lot too. better than I expected yeah. and kept me on my toes and had bits that my jaw literally dropped a couple times. Yeah. They, and then they had just like Leslie Nielsen bits. Where it'd Mel be like, Brooks oh, bits. you've yeah. got to pull up your bass. And then he turns and he's got a 12-foot pull out of his ass that like smacks people <laughs> as he moves. And you're like, all right. Got cool. Bill Hader and Ed it's got Helms. a yeah. ton of people in it. It's like got like half like an SNL cast yeah. and 30 Rock and Parks and Rec. There's yeah. one guy who yeah. poops his Halloween costume. Really weird. That's yeah. And then says, somebody took it off of me, pooped in it, is trying to frame <laughs> it's me. So, it's so stupid. <laughs> if you like that kind of thing, watch it. All right, Mariah, what do you got? Um, real quick, I rewatched The Adventures of Tintin, um, directed by Spielberg, which is like a 3D animated film um, with a lot of motion capture and stuff. And I just really love that movie. I've seen it, I don't even, need, I don't even know how many times. I have personally bashed in the actor's faces with a hammer for that movie. Well, you work for somebody who worked on it. Yeah, we had a bunch of like concrete molds of their faces. Really? And when we were moving, we couldn't take them all because it was just taking up space. So I had to destroy them all because having just the actor's faces around like isn't okay. Uh. So I had to bash their goddamn brains in. Could have just gave it to us. But yeah, I also would not have been okay. <laughs> I adore that movie. We talked about it for Avatar actually, because when Jim Cameron was doing Avatar, Spielberg visited like the uh, uh, motion capture set that he had and was kind of inspired to do Tintin based off of that. Um, I think I might try to cover it at some point on the podcast. I don't know if there's quite enough, but I like the show, even though it's um very uh problematic in its uh mm. um. Some of its illustrations yeah. of eth- ethnic. Ah, yeah, it's groups. it's a uh, rather iffy. That being said, the movie's just a blast, and yeah. Andy Serkis as Captain Haddock is delightful. And another silly movie. So if you're not like rack-um. in a mood to receive silliness, then like don't watch it until you are. What's happening to him? He's sobering up. Sobering up. Yeah, he burps I just, into I a plane it. to make it go. Yeah, it's silly. Fumes. So yeah, I just, I I don't know. Every time I watch it, I'm like, uh, it's kind of silly how much I love this. And then I watch it and I'm like, damn, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. It's like a comfort movie for me. Yeah. I like mm. genuinely don't even know how many times I've seen it at this point. So Well, that's the end of our recap for Beautiful movies recaps. we watched. Now, now we need it's time to 
recap Stephen, Miles' legs. over me. I have to recap his legs because I took them off with my suckers. Stephen, can you can you uh, can you screw my legs back on real quick? Yeah, hold on. Oh, we need some oil on this one. Hold on. All right, they're on. Thank you. <clears throat> All right, we're talking about Star Wars. Uh, we're gonna do the the recap. So, Mariah, over to you. Yeah, back to you. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess that's true. All right, so. Again, Miles has written this kind of summary for us. We've never read it Don't before. Tell did it. Don't tell before, did it. before we read this, Miles, I want to remind you that over here on the wall, it says um, no politics or religion. Uh, I don't think this is going to have any politics or religion. Okay. Well, I will it'll say, have one politic. <laughs> one. I will say, so looking at this, your spelling is atrocious, my guy. <laughs> yeah. You spelled he Alaskan it. wrong. He wrote it in a fury. Yeah. <laughs> A L A S K I N Alaskan. No, A N. Oh. Anyway, Alaskan. all right. Getting into it. Yeah. No, but my spelling is very bad. I, I, his I is more brotherly, though. Brotherly. Yeah, like Alaskan. Oh, my oh. kin. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. Okay. This is Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. We start our Star War with Luke Skywalker and the gang setting up perimeter beacons in the most hospitable part of Alaska. Luke gets one-clicked by the abominable snowman, and Han Solo goes out to get the revive. When Luke wakes up in the abominable snowman's dungeon, he's hanging upside down and must use the Force to commit his legal right as an Alaskan and kill a man. Soon after his escape, he... This is how you think hallucinates is spelled? Don't. <laughs> hallucinates an old British man telling him he must go to Florida right before getting saved by Han Solo and reverse born into a Tauntaun. Soon hmm. after dark, Vader shows up after dropping a smart tag in Alaska and that shit kills itself and everyone runs away. Luke leaves to go to Florida with R2-D2 while everyone else pretends to be literal trash because their alternator is broken. Is my turn? It is. <clears throat> Over to you, Stefan. Luke crashes his space car in the Florida swamps, home of giant fungus spiders. That's canon. Giant worm-looking dudes who smoke mad chronic, not canon, and the goddamn <laughs> frog addicted to ketamine, which is probably canon. <laughs> the frog teaches Luke how to use the force, but not before having a rough bout of Alzheimer's. <laughs> Where am I? Back with the rest of the gang, they decide to hide out in Boston. Boston? In Boston? Yeah, I figured Cloud City might be Boston. That's a stretch. And meet with Han's old friend, who very quickly hands them over to the Big V. Luke senses this and leaves the frog to help his friends, only to be bested by the Big V, who turns out to be the Big Daddy V, because... He didn't have a father figure growing up to teach him how to play baseball. Yeah, because he could sit with all those things and he's just yeah. flailing around. And then he can't catch it because yeah. he loses his hand. Mm -hmm. Big Daddy V cuts off his hand and Luke instantly tries to kill himself but fails. The movie ends with Han Solo being lost in the sauce and Luke and Leia look out to the starts. <laughs> the starts. Whoopsies. <laughs> <laughs> hospice i need yeah, that's star wars that's star wars if you don't know star wars yeah sorry now you know yep that's I, it actually all takes place within the continental u.s uh-huh so what where would you put cloud city 
Uh, maybe I'm trying to think of a place with high elevation. Yeah, Denver. Which, uh, yeah, I'm thinking like Colorado somewhere. Uh, the Mile Boston. High City. I anyway. just thought that Lando seems like kind of like a Boston guy. He seems like he likes Dunkin' Donuts. I guess New okay. York is like skyscrapers and yeah. stuff. Yeah, I thought about putting New York, but I was like, this ain't important. I don't know. This anyway, ain't important. Let's I was like, it's it. too close to. This is gonna be three hours long, brother. All right. <laughs> if we don't reel it in. Well, let's get into it. <laughs> all right. Uh, the way I have this structured is we're gonna go through all of the production <sighs> nonsense, and then we'll take we'll, we'll kind of go back and we'll take a closer right. look at you know the the certain places that they go. Okay. And for the audience at home, we do have Yoda here. Uh, yeah, he's been instructed not to speak. I'm uh, gonna try and keep him quiet, but sometimes he just—he's gonna speak up. So, shut up. All okay, right, continue. Star Wars Episode Four. That shit clapped. Yeah. Uh, it was extremely financially successful and turned out to be a bit of a cultural phenomenon. Everyone loved it. People saw that movie multiple times over, and it's—it's it's time for a sequel. It's mm. been. Three years since that movie came out, if I wrote this down properly. It is. Yeah. So let's get this show on the road. The problem is Lucas was reluctant to direct the sequel because of the stress of making the first film and the impact <laughs> it had on his health. If you guys don't remember from episode two of the podcast. It literally put him in the hospital. He was so stressed out. and The doctor was like, he couldn't my, handle it. My brother in Christ, you got to slow down. And he went, no. I must tell the space war story. I must. Uh, it's actually a Star War movie. So, <laughs> but yeah. So conscious of the fact that the sequel needed to exceed the original scope, he wanted to make it have a bigger production. And the production effects company, Lucasfilm, was relatively small. It had pretty much just done Star Wars. <laughs> mm. <laughs> one film under their belt. Yeah. And it was making out it's of... a big one. It was operating pretty much out of a makeshift office. So... Lucas considered selling the project to 20th Century Fox uh, in exchange for just like a percentage of the profit. Money. He was, he was literally thinking just like, I'm going to sell this bitch. Like, I kicked back. I made my patent. What? I made my patent. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, I made my device. So I'm going to sell it and mm -hmm. live my life. He had profited <laughs> substantially after the first Star Wars. And I he was now a millionaire. <laughs> So he made, he made $12 million off of mm -hmm. the And first that's like Wars. 1977 money? That is 1977 I, money. Green, I like. Yoda, we get you like green. Shut the hell up. Paid, am I? No. The problem is, despite being hella rich and not wanting to make the movie, he was too invested in the story. He cared about his creation mm. too much, and he didn't think he could entrust it to others. So Lucas <laughs> had... I just looked it up. Twelve million in nineteen seventy-seven is worth sixty-one million today. Sixty-one million. Yeah. Whoa. All right. Holy shit. Well, <laughs> Lucas had concepts for the sequel, but no solid structure. Because when he mm. wrote the first one, he kind of he had ideas for like the whole overarching thing. Right. Which is why he started with four in the first place. Is because he had the ideas for all of it like roughly but he was like well which part's gonna be the coolest to make so he made four that's why he made four hmm. so he's got an idea but no solid structure so he knew that the story would be darker and explore more mature themes relationships and get a little bit deeper into the nature 
of the Force. Mm-hmm. But nature. other than that, it's basically up in the air. Okay. Lucas intended to fund the project independently. Oh, I mean, he got 61 milli. Yeah, he has mm. 61 milli. Everyone out there who isn't George Lucas, don't do this. <laughs> or Francis Ford don't Coppola. Don't put yeah. your own money in the show. Yeah, uh, don't do that. It's not a good idea. But when you have effectively $61 million, okay. If I had $61 million and I wanted to make a film, I'd be like, I don't know, I can I can use some of it. Yeah. Three fifty. I mean, even with the sixty the twelve million, the sixty-one million dollars, he still ends up getting a loan from Bank of America for eight million dollars. Okay. Not long. So he uses that budget to expand the visual effects company to establish the Skywalker Movie Ranch in Marine County, California, mm-hmm. which does all the sound effects mostly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can also go there and have a little tour if you Sheldon want. Sheldon Cooper goes there in an episode of The Big Bang mm-hmm, Theory. Mm-hmm. Bazinga. Mm-hmm. Bazinga. So, having worked with George Lucas in the, for you know producer distribution uh, for the last movie, Fox had the right of first negotiation and refusal to participate in any potential sequel. That makes sense. Yeah. Negotiations began in mid-1977 between the studio and Lucas. Fox had already given Lucas controlling interest in the series, uh, merchandising, and and sequels because it had thought that Star Wars was going to be trash. Mm. So it kind of gave him a lot of stuff just being like yeah sure who fucking cares and then uh oh whoopsies well that's like with alec guinness in the first one he didn't take salary he took percentage because he's like i think this shit's gonna like go big and fox was like yeah sure man whatever and then he ended up making the most out of any of the cast members because he was really smart and had a lot of foresight yeah Mm. he used the the force he used the force force. oh my god i need foresight because I need glasses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Terms were agreed upon quickly for the sequel compared to the original, in part because Fox executive Alan Ladd Jr. had been supportive of the original and was eager for the sequel. He was a big fan. He wanted to see it make. What a made. lad. He was a lad. He was a junior lad as well. Mm. But yeah, so negotiations were hella fucking quick. They were just basically like, yeah, sure, do it, do your thing. I just want to see it made. So the... 100-page contract was signed on September 21st, 1977. Well, the, the first one was a summer release, right? So yes. the fact that it hit big, I mean, this is common in today's like movie culture too. The second something's big, sequels are in the works. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%. Mm-hmm. I, the fact that it took them three years to even think of doing a sequel. Unheard of nowadays. Baby, I Maybe making sequels before the first one comes out. But... In this contract, they dictated that Fox would distribute the film but have no creative input in exchange for 50% of the gross profits on the first $20 million earned, with the percentage increasing to 77.5% in the producer's favor if it exceeded $100 million, which... Gee, that's over yeah. my head. Filming had to begin by January 1979 for release on... May 1st, 1980. I'm, huh. Yeah, I'm thinking about like all the practical effects that went in and making sure that you have a story in place. 
that seems rather quick, actually. Highly, highly. And I'm sure you're going to tell us all about how yes. pressed for time they were. So, yeah. The well, first off, let's let's finish with the deal stuff. The deal offered the possibility of significant financial gains if this shit popped off, which it was like guaranteed to. Yeah, but this shit, like literally going into it, he was like, "If I don't make this amazing, I am financially ruined." Like he put all his eggs in this basket. Which is also something you should not do. Correct. To mitigate some of the financial risks, Lucas founded the Chapter 2 company to control the film's development and absorb its uh, litigations. Or, I'm sorry, not litigations, liabilities. So, he dumped all that shit into a company, and if he needed to, he could call for bankruptcy. Classic. Uh, Classic. Classic. He signed a contract between the company and Lucasfilm, granting himself 5% of the box office gross profits for his own companies. He also founded Black Falcon to license Star Wars merchandising rights, using the income to subsidize his ongoing projects. (laughs) This is so much more legal than I was expecting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh my goodness. It is crazy, though, because like this is super important. And also, I think we talked about with Jaws episode, episode one of this podcast that i think jaws was one of the first films to really use merchandise to Mm. help promote and star wars the the first star wars would have been like two years after this so this is right when merchandising for movies started to becoming really big yeah Yeah. so no spielberg i mean now we just assume that you know mcdonald's is going to put out a toy and you're going to see lego sets and we have spielberg to blame and figures and target and walmart and stuff like that but super big at the time it cannot be understated how pivotal it was for Star Wars to have merchandising. It, the, like, there's a whole fucking episode on just Star Wars toys. Like, the whole thing with that was mm. insane. They made a bunch of stuff. They made toys that didn't exist in the movies yet and then would be later put into other movies for fun. It was crazy. Like the Han Solo and Chewbacca Transformers that I had when that. combined turned I, into the Millennium Falcon. I absolutely had that toy growing up. And then you press a button and it goes, I got a bad feeling about uh-huh. this. It was sick as fuck. It sick was sick as it fuck. It was. Yeah. You're, you're, okay. You're right on that one. You're right on that one. You old, you old frog on ketamine. <laughs> More I need after the show. So, back into the not legal document nonsense. Lucas considered replacing producer Gary Kurtz with Howard Kazanjian because Kurtz had not fulfilled his role and left problems unresolved while filming Star Wars. However, Kurtz flipped this on him by like basically being like, "Hey, I've been really loyal to you and Star Wars property. Can you not fire me?" Please. Please, please, please. Lucas. Could I have a job? Oh, Jimmy. (laughs) (laughs) And Lucas went, all right. Faster. Faster. Work faster, though. Lucas took an executive producer role, enabling him to focus on his businesses and the development of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Never heard of it. Yeah. (laughs) So, as standard, Lucas is not allowed to touch his own work. (laughs) Uh, if he touches his own work we get the prequels and while they're okay they're not very good is there like any other director like this that's not allowed to touch yeah i I think he's unique in that aspect i don't know he's pivotal he's pivotal in creating it yeah but not creating it yeah he's if he's allowed anywhere near it it's not gonna be good it's just like an overdose of lucas (laughs) yeah i don't know but it is really funny just like how he he needs to be there for star wars to exist yeah 
but for it to be good, he can't be there. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's very strange. It is unique. I can't think of it in any other way than like you gotta water water down the alcohol. You yeah. Know? Like water it down is good. Too much hospital. A hospital. But stomach pump. <laughs> <laughs> By late nineteen seventy seven, Kurtz began hiring key crew members, including here we go. Okay. Production designer Norman Reynolds. Norman Reynolds PD. Consulting John Barry, makeup artist Stuart Freeborn, and first assistant director David Tomblin. Lucas rehired artists Ralph McQuarrie and John Johnston to maintain visual consistency with Star Wars. Makes a lot of sense. Ralph McQuarrie is the only one I recognize so far. And the three began conceptualizing the Hoth battle in December. Here we go. By this point, the budget had increased to $10 million. So okay. Mariah, hit Mariah us up Mariah can that. do the calculation. I just want to say what a dream blunt rotation that crew is. Yeah. We got to conceptualize Hoth. Uh, $10 million in 1977 is equivalent to almost $51 million today. Okay. So he's using a big chunk of his cash. Lucas wanted a director who would support the material and accept that he was ultimately in charge... <laughs> <laughs> all right georgie boy <laughs> i feel like it's kind of hard to find a director who's willing to yeah he considered around a hundred directors including alan parker and john oh. Badham. oh i have met that man he's a professor at my school oh mm-hmm. did i just dox myself yeah i think you've probably already mentioned you go to jam i don't know i know you definitely do the i went to film school I went to film school back in my day. Anyway, John Badham's really cool. John Badham made war games. He did oh, Saturday okay. Night Fever Damn. with John Travolta. He's, well, a very, he was, he's a very nice man, very kind man. I he like was Blue Thunder. But didn't get it. Uh-huh. Sorry, I didn't even that. <laughs> uh, he ended up again going with Kirshner. Uh, but Kirshner was reluctant to direct the sequel to a film as successful as Star Wars, and his friends warned him against taking the job, believing that he would be blamed if it failed. It sounds like the best way to get a Star Wars movie is if the people working on it don't want to work on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. To get, to be good at Star Wars, <laughs> you can't let fans do it. <laughs> You got to get people who hate it. But uh, Star Wars was able to convince uh, Kirshner to, to hop on. It was saying it was not much of a sequel as it was a chapter in a larger story. Uh, he also promised, George Lucas also promised him he would make the film his own way. So he promised. I'm he- sorry. It's the other way around. I put he and him. So I didn't put their fucking names in here. Ah, uh, classic Miles notes. Kirshner promised lucas he was gonna make it his own way right okay basically being like Go my own yeah i know you have ultimate control but uh fuck you <laughs> i'm still gonna do my thing yeah at the end of the day he is a director yeah on to writing lawrence kasdan anyone no is that not the name you have no oh Ooh. he wrote it well we're We'll get to it, but there's someone we need to talk about first. Sorry, hold on. Do you see this gun that I'm dropping on the floor? Yeah, kick that away. Sorry, I just jumped over it. I jumped mm-hmm. the gun. Yeah, mm. As you do. I'm actually going to pick that well, up. I, because... that's a bit. I did. I, that is yeah. a bit you did. I did yeah. that bit. Uh, I I'm actually going to pick that up because I think this is really reckless use of a very dangerous firearm. Yeah, we can't. So I'm going to pick that up and put it in my California approved safe, and that is going to stay there until we need it back. Yeah, no, we... Yoda. 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 It's not for you. Yoda, 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 Yoda
All right, Yoda well, has a very suspiciously gun-shaped belly right now. Hopefully uh, that doesn't become a problem later. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, on to writing. This is the part of the movie where they write it. Lucas began formulating ideas in August 1977. This is really important. I've lost it at Yoda eating a gun and burping. This is one of the stupidest bits we've ever (laughs) done on the podcast. But it's so good. Tasty. Uh, Okay. Literally wiped away a tear. Oh my god. Sorry. So so these ideas include the idea of the emperor, how to explain Lucas's not Lucas's Hamill's injuries that he got mm. uh, after filming the very tail end of the first Star Wars movies. Uh, Lucas said uh, he told Hamill this: Had you died, <laughs> his character would have been replaced, not recast, as Luke's lost sister. Hamill recounted being told that the sister character might be Leia, uh, which he mm. found disappointing. So this was before they revealed that they were brother and sister. He like hinted at it and Hamill was like, that's kind of... Yeah. That's kind of mid. Mm -hmm. But he was like, yeah, if you died, you would just have died. And so this accident that he had, this was the tail end of the fourth one and it was a really bad car accident. Yes, this is in... I have it written down in my Mark Hamill section. Uh-huh. Sorry, is there another gun on the floor that I just jumped over? Well, it's 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 way deep in here. Stay back. Oh, okay. So I'll just bring it up now. Okay. Uh, because this is the only bit. I take it back. It's not even in the Luke Skywalker section of this. I, I did write it. So yeah, you did. <laughs> you got another one. <laughs> you got another one. So yeah. So near the, the tail end of the first Star Wars movie, Mark Hamill got into a very bad car accident. He was speeding down a road that he was lost on and ended up just losing control and crashing the car. And it beefed up his face like really bad. And he was in the hospital and Lucas had to use basically stand-ins for the rest of episode four just to get like pickup shots. And Mm. so going into the next movie, they had to be like, well, Buddy, now your face is kind of like jacked up. So all the scars you see on him, they're a little accentuated, but like that's just kind of how his face looked. (laughs) So they had to explain it away somehow. And they did that by having him get checked by the Wampa. Getting uh, the abominable snowman. Yeah. The bear. He got balled by bear. Mm -hmm. He got mauled by bear. That's a polar bear. It is Alaska. Wow. Yeah. So Lucas had written Star Wars, but did not enjoy developing lore for an original universe oh really huh yeah he i guess he liked having like the overall idea of it but getting into the minutiae details mm. of the lore he just didn't like he didn't like writing star wars interesting huh which okay never mind mm. so he brought on science fiction writer leia brackett whom Lucas met through a friend. She excelled in quick-paced dialogue, which, if you remember from the first episode, not something Lucas is good at. (laughs) He likes adding a lot of technical jargon that the actors later have to go, I'm not saying that. 
There was one line, I forget what it was, at the beginning where Leia, they're in the Hoth base. She says something about the power shield and it's like, a well, the energy shield and blah, 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 blah. Whoa. Yeah. And what's funny is that because I knew that from the episode that we covered previous, there are bits when Han and Chewie are working in the Falcon on Hoth and they don't use technical jargon at all. Mm-hmm. And Han is just going, this goes there and this goes there. <laughs> yeah. No, don't touch that one. It's this. And they don't use any technical jargon. It's just this and that, which I thought was yeah. really funny. Yeah. Again, just, no one wants to say that stuff. So no. So Lucas hires Leia Brackett for fifty thousand dollars. Here's the thing: Leia Brackett has terminal cancer. That's and not very tenable. So he is fully aware of this fact that she is on a timeline. <sighs> and so between November twenty eighth and December second, nineteen seventy seven, Lucas and Brackett held a story conference. Uh, Lucas had poor ideas in mind, but wanted Brackett to piece them together. So he envisioned one central plot around, you know, three subplots. Lucas, or not Lucas, Luke, Luke going off doing his thing, the bit with Cloud City, and then shit with Darth Vader, like, doing his thing. Yeah. So it would be set across 60 scenes, 100 pages, and a two-hour runtime. They formed a general outline and ideas that included the Wookiee homeworld, Kashyyyk? Kashyyyk, a new alien species, the Galactic Emperor, a gambler from Han's past, water and city planets, Luke's lost twin sister, and a diminutive frog-like creature, Minch Yoda. (laughs) Minch Yogurt. Mm. Yogurt, my name is. Yogurt? Pizza the Hut. Well... Lucas drew influences from the following. The Thing from Another World, <laughs> Dune, which, what? what isn't inspired by Dune? Yeah, sci-fi. And guess what? The television series, Flash Gordon. Huh. Flash! Yeah. Ah! Ah! Savior of the universe. Around this time, Kurtz convinced the title, or I'm sorry, I didn't convince, conceived the title The Empire Strikes Back. He said they avoided calling it Star Wars 2 because films with 2 in their title are seen as inferior. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess. Counterpoint, Toy Story 2. I think it depends. Okay, well, it's not up for debate, so. (laughs) You think Toy Story 2 is a good title? It's not a good title, but it's good. Oh. Uh, Anyway. Brackett completed her first draft in February 1978, titled Star Wars Sequel from the Adventures of Luke Skywalker, (laughs) which of course would be replaced. But the draft contained a city in the clouds, a chase through an asteroid belt, a greater focus on the love triangle between Luke, Han, and Leia, who is portrayed as a damsel in distress, uh, the Battle of Hoth, and a climactic battle between Luke and Darth Vader. The ghost of his father and Obi-Wan visit Luke, mm. leaving Vader a separate character. The draft mm. reveals Luke has a sister who is not Leia. Oh. So her draft, they, they, they kiss. That's not... She's like, I'm not about that incest She's thing. not about the incest. <laughs> it's not a thing. Han goes on a mission to recruit his powerful stepfather. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Jerry. Yeah. And Lando is a clone from the Clone Wars. Oh. I, actually, I think I, I did know that that was what he was supposed to be initially. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Which does not look good for the slave army of the clones. <laughs> No. Lucas had detailed notes and attempted to contact Brackett, but she had been hospitalized at this point 
mm. and died of her cancer a few weeks Ooh. later on March 18th. Damn. Wow. I would be scared to like make any changes at that point. If someone wrote this and then they died, <laughs> I'd be like, I have to. Yeah. Like personally, I'd be like, this is their like last thing. I'm not going to like change anything. So I, I will skip a little bit ahead because we're talking about Bracket. A lot of people, because she wrote the first draft and she only ever wrote the first draft, which would obviously end up getting changed a lot so a lot of people didn't think that she deserved to be in the credits but <laughs> lucas was adamant y yeah yeah i would be too lucas was like no she is in the credits like she deserves to be a part of star wars so she will end up getting a uh screenwriting spot in the movie mm -hmm. okay but now that she's passed on lucas has to write the second draft himself so though brackets draft followed lucas's outline uh he found she had portrayed the characters differently than he intended uh having leia be you know a damsel in distress so lucas completed his handwritten 121 page draft on april 1st wow damn okay yeah mariah he found the process more enjoyable than before okay so he liked it this time. He was already familiar with the universe, but he did struggle to write a satisfying conclusion. So he decided to leave it open for a third film. That's funny. I, I can't come up with one, so I'll just... <laughs> so were they... Wait, so was he writing this with the potential that it was only going to be two parts? He started writing it with the potential of only being two parts. Oh. And then much like modern day films, he went, I can put another one in. We can stretch it out. Uh, we can stretch it out. Gotcha. Okay. So... This draft established Luke's sister as a new character. Oh. So Luke's sister, not Leia at this point. She's undertaking a similar journey. Uh, Vader's castle and his fear of the emperor is also depicted in this version of the draft. There are distinct power levels in controlling the force, midichlorians. Oh, no. Yoda's unconventional speech pattern. Example. <laughs> Middle school, I did not. Go to. <laughs> yep. Why was that the first thing that you went to? I did not go. <laughs> He's right. He didn't go. Okay. He got the bounty hunters, which included Boba Fett, who we will talk about later. Oh, crikey, mate. Well... He's actually from New Zealand. New Zealand. New Ze so he's not... You think they don't say crikey there? That's Australian. They don't say crikey. It's Australian. Yeah, but New Zealand's right above Australia. Yeah, but they're very different. Very di I knew they say peen. What uh... the fuck did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> Australia. I come from. Oh. Mm, that explains a lot. Yeah. Anyway, Lucas wrote Fett. To be like the man with no name, combining him with an abandoned idea for Super Stormtrooper, mm. <laughs> which eventually Does Star he, like Wars, fly around. Yeah. yeah, eventually Star Wars does get to Super Stormtroopers, the Dark Troopers, and yeah. and all this jazz. But all this jizz, all this jizz. But whatever. Anyway, he's cool. As a kid, I liked him. I think because he was just like the silent. Yeah, kind of. You know, he's no use to me, dead. Bro, there. You know, he's it's the it's the cool. Like he's not. I mean, I guess he's a bad guy, but he's just selfish. He's like, I don't want my yeah. money. Lucas's handwritten draft included mention of Vader being Luke's father, but the typed script omitted this revelation because he has got this shit on lock in his brain. He's like, if I'm going to use this, it needs to be locked tight. No one can know. Mm. But the, the actual draft that included the ghost of Luke's father, Lucas said uh, he had always intended 
for Vader to be Luke's father, but admitted it to avoid leaks. Uh, Lucas included elements such as Han's debt to Jabba and uh, recontextualized Luke leaving Dagobah to rescue his friends. In Brackett's draft, Obi-Wan instructs Luke's to leave, and Lucas had Luke choose to do so. This is getting confusing with Lucas and Luke. Yeah, I, well, I messed up. I, I said Luke's oh. instead of Luke. Well, even then, it'd just be like, yeah. Luke has Lucas. Lu- Lucas has Luke. Luke has Lucas. Yeah. Anyway, in the original one, Darts. Obi-Wan is like, hey, man, you can just fucking go. Like, yeah, bro. Um, bro, it's like, like 11 a.m. Everyone else has gone home. Yeah. If you could go home. Honestly, I'm trying Me to- and my girlfriend, we're just want to go to bed man yeah you can take the rum if that helps just like please get out of here he removed a scene where luke massacres not only the storm men but the storm women and storm children too the storm yeah the stormtroopers oh i'm making a i'm making a got it prequels joke i thought with there's so much lore i didn't know if there was actually storm women (laughs) like stormtroopers like huh no no he he removed a bit where luke just absolutely decimates a bunch of stormtroopers okay to convey him falling to the dark side like just like brutalizing them mm. but he was like well maybe this should be for kids yeah <laughs> he wanted to instead explore this in the next film lucas believed it was important the characters be inspirational and appropriate for children Interesting. so okay his- which is why they never like explore the stormtroopers much i feel like yeah yeah, they're kind of just like nameless. Yeah, because they they're just not... like never give them emotion. I yeah. guess kind of in the new ones, but even then, they I think they, they drop, drop the, the ball. ball. Yeah. In June 1978, impressed with his work on Raiders of the Lost Ark, Lucas hired Lawrence Kasdan. My man. Yeah. He was hired on to refine the draft. Kasdan was paid $60,000 in early July. Kasdan... Kirshner and Lucas held another story conference to discuss Lucas's draft. The group collaborated on ideas, challenging Lucas when his made no sense. (laughs) (laughs) Lucas does that a lot. And Lucas kind of just like went, okay. So yeah, they they got rid of a lot of his ideas because obviously Lucas can't be trusted with Star Wars. Gosh, what if we do this? No, that's horse piss. That's horse piss. It I sucks. think. Uh, okay. He he has such an unbridled imagination that I think the best way he is needs to be bridled. He, he, yeah. yeah, he spouts it, and then people go, "No, but like that part, that part, that's a good one. That's a really good one. Like that's cool." My the guy, rest is doo doo speckles. You can't you can't have that. Uh, he was very adamant that Luke and Leia smooch on the lips, and that they're siblings, though. Oh, whoa! He definitely wanted that in. Weird. Yeah, I know Yoda. It was pretty weird. But mandated to deliver a fifth of the script every other week, Kasdan began his rewrite, focusing on developing character relationships and psychologies. He completed the third draft by early August. This version refined Minch Yoda, (laughs) alternately named The Critter. Yes. Minch. My name in high school, that was... (laughs) So his options were the critter, just the word minch. What's up with minch? <laughs> what the hell? Buffy. Oh, that's when I was in college. <laughs> and simply Yoda. Mm, yogurt. Get your yogurt later. From a slimy creature to a small blue one, mm. each version retained the character's long life and wisdom. Oh. Taught college, I did. 
philosophy <laughs> and Pilates. Oh, yeah, I can see that. But uh, Lucas removed a line mentioning Lando deliberately abandoning his people and had Luke contact Leia through the Force instead of Obi-Wan's ghost. Hmm. The fourth draft, mostly the same, but with more detail, more detailed action, was submitted on October 24th. Although some of Brackett's ideas remained, such as Luke's Dagobah training, her dialogue and characterization were removed. Kasdan described her take as from a different era, lacking the necessary tone. Kazanjian did not believe the Writers Guild of America West would approve this is so this is where I was saying that she shouldn't have gotten a credit. So the Writers Guild of America West, Kazian didn't think that they would okay her receiving credit, but Lucas liked Brackett and supported her credit as co-writer. He also provided for her family beyond her contracted pay. Oh wow. So being a homie. He was a bit of a homie. And with that, the script is pretty much complete. And now it's time for the cast. Hamill, Fisher, Ford, Mayhew, and Baker. And Daniels. You really need to stop. I'm so sorry. Another gun, I see. (laughs) You can't forget my boy 3PO. Yes, but we do get to that. Oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I thought you just left him out. No, I left him out. Because there are specific things with him getting rehired. <laughs> Yummy. <laughs> so all of them reprise their roles in Star His Wars. His belly's looking really <laughs> gross right now. It's full He's of got guns. like three guns in there. I'm just going to shut up now. <laughs> so they all were contracted for a second, third, and fourth film. Uh, but Ford had declined because he didn't like Star Wars. Mm. Also had bad experiences in it. He did agree to return because he wanted to improve on his Star Wars performance. So there's that. Hmm. Hamill spent four months bodybuilding and learning karate, fencing, and kendo to prepare for his stunts. It really shows. It really shows when he kicks Darth Vader. When he's and he's once. and he's doing a handstand on a wire. Yeah, like his, you can see his feet are being pulled up, or when he or when really he goes, quickly jumps out of a hole. He goes, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that was all the training into that one supersonic jump. Yeah, and also when he goes, R two, R two, R two, over there, over there. Aram <laughs> pushes up glasses. R two, you're going the wrong way. <laughs> okay, well, and then he goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> he, do, he does do that wake him up oh my god oh. <laughs> that absolutely just destroyed my ears <laughs> prowse hesitated to return as darth vader because he was hidden behind a costume he believed the role mm. offered little job security <laughs> but he returned after being told further delays would lead to his being replaced <laughs> So he was like, "Uh I don't know if I should join, maybe for more money. And they're like, Mm. my brother in Christ, if you don't figure this shit out real quick, we're replacing your ass. And then he was like, oh, oh, okay. So Jones returned to Voith. (laughs) Oh, where's Voith? He voiced Darth Vader. <laughs> Jones returned. Yeah, so so um actually uh, Jones uh, returned to voice Darth James Earl Jones. Jones James Earl Jones uh, returned to voice Darth Vader uh, as Star Wars declined a credit. Star Wars. He so he declined a credit because he considered himself a special effect to Prowl's Prowl 
Fuck Prow- me. Huh? Prowse's huh? physical performance. He earned $15,000 for half a day's work. Huh. Uh, plus um, a small percentage. I've of only gotten that much money when I hit a lick. See, when you first said like $15,000, I was like, damn, that is kind of like a small amount. But then you right. said half a half day's a day. work. And I'm like, damn, that is uh, worth half a day's work. Oh, yeah. show. And a small percentage. Yeah, that's so, pretty good. <laughs> he makes out. Okay, Mariah. Who? Anthony Daniels. Anthony Daniels 3PO? returned for 3PO? reasonable pay. Uh, he was reluctant because he had received little public acknowledgement for his previous performance as C-3PO uh, because the filmmakers portrayed the droid as a real being. Guinness could not return as Obi-Wan because his failing eyesight required him to avoid bright light. Recasting oh. him was considered but determined to recruit him. Lucas agreed to deal in... Lucas agreed to a deal in late August 1979, just before filming finished. Guinness was paid 0.25 of Empire's box office gross for his few hours of work. Still worth it. (laughs) Yeah. So after also convincing Daniels that he would be more represented in this movie, that he would have a a bigger role in it as well, he did accept to Mm. join the movie. And then he was, uh, the documentary I watched, when he got the script, he was like, you fuckers, I die. And then he had to like go like, oh, okay. He just gets blasted. I'm sorry. I didn't know I shouldn't be here. And then they take his Jordans. I also kind of don't blame him for being hesitant because... I know they filmed in... Where was the Tatooine location they filmed in for fourth one? So somewhere in Africa? Yeah. And I'm like, you're in that metallic suit with like no mobility. It's probably hot as hell. Yeah. Oh, he ended up cutting his leg really bad too in the suit. Yeah. And so I'm like, I can understand why he wouldn't want to come back if that was his experience as well. But I'm glad he did. I I like 3PO a lot. So he's kind of... He's like Luke if he were even lamer. Mm -hmm. Shots fired. Yeah. Well, you know who isn't lame? Billy D. Williams. Lando Calrissian. Absolutely. He got the Riz. The, in Cal- he puts the Riz in Calrissian. He does put the Riz in Calrissian. The first African-American to portray a main role in the series. Mm-hmm. He found the character interesting because of his cape. Ah, I understand. <laughs> I totally do understand. Yeah. And his Armenian surname. Williams mm. believed... This gave him room to develop the character. Williams said Lando was much like himself, a pretty cool guy. (laughs) (laughs) He like me for real. He believed it was a token role but was mm-hmm. assured it was not specifically written for a black actor. Kirshner said Williams had the fantastic charm of a Mississippi riverboat hustler, which I can I can okay. see. I mean, he does. We were dangerously close to something else, but no, yeah. that's, no, that's they, that's all right. That's cool. I think. I mean, he is he is a like yeah. A fucking he's gambler. he's an old smoothie. He's a gambler. Yeah, he's an so. old smoothie that someone got from Jamba Juice and didn't drink for like Fuck. three oh, decades. Jamba Juice after this. Cool. Uh, you want to take Yoda with you? I was going to say, Yoda, yeah. you want to come? Uh, not good, I feel. <laughs> yeah. Too many guns. Yeah, all those guns in your tum-tum can't feel yeah, good. Yeah, it's the gunpowder really just yeah, it's, it's chews away that. on the inside. Well, my boy, my sweet, sweet boy, Williams, could have been somebody else. Let me know if you remember any of these names. And not by remember, I mean no. Howard Rowland, mm-hmm. Terry Alexander, mm-hmm. Robert Christian, mm-hmm. Thurman Scott, Mm-mm. And Yafit Kodo. Nope. Were all also considered for the part. All right. None of those names. Thank God, because I didn't know them either. Okay. Yoda, do you know who who you are? 
I'm Frank Oz. That's right, Yoda. Stomach. Wow, your, your head sounds... Stomach pump, please. <laughs> Hospital, I need. <laughs> Yoda? <laughs> oh, he's he's taking a nap or something. Uh, I'll check in on him in a couple in minutes. A, in a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Yoda was voiced and puppeteered by Frank Oz with assistance from Catherine Mullen, David Barkley, or Barclay, and Wendy Froud. Hmm. Uh, Lucas intended to dub Oz's Yoda voice, but decided it would be difficult to cast someone who could match their voice to Oz's physical puppeteering performance. Mm. So he was just too damn good. Jeremy Bullock did not audition for Bo- Boba Fett. I almost said Boba Fett. <laughs> For Boba idiot. Fett. Boba T. God, I'm, a, I'm a fucking idiot. I hate myself. Bob- ah, Dobby. Stupid. <laughs> Dobby. Uh, he, he did not audition. He was hired because the costume fit him. Hey. <laughs> like, hey, just try this on, man, real quick. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, sh- uh, you got it. it. <laughs> you gotta go stand over there. <laughs> it was said to be uncomfortable and top heavy, making it difficult to maintain his balance, and the mask often steamed over. Hmm. Pollock assumed his lines would be dubbed over as he had little dialogue. Fett's voice actor, Jason Wingreen, remained uncredited until 2000. Oh, huh. I, I guess that... Of who? I just find that interesting that they dubbed Jason over Wingreen? his voice. Well, they, they're, they voice over Darth Vader's too. I know, but I, he's got like two lines. Yeah. Was he really that bad? <laughs> I don't know. Guess we'll never know. Bullock also appears as an Imperial officer who restrains Leia on Bespin. No other cast member was available for the role, so Kurtz had him quickly change out of the Fett costume and stand in. Huh. Yeah. So okay. I think he's the guy that uses Leia the body as, a, shield? as a body shield. Yeah. Huh. As like because he's a coward. Hmm. That's um, cool. Yeah. John Morton portrays Fett in the same scene. There was no extensive casting for the Emperor. Lucas chose Clive Revel to provide the character's voice, preferring it from the options given to him. While an older actress, Marjorie Eaton, physically portrayed the Emperor in test footage. Oh. Mm. Yeah, no, no, no. Not in- I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, no. She kind of bad. No, in, in test footage. The footage proved unsatisfactory, and special effects artist Rick Baker created a full mask hey. that his wife, <laughs> Elian, wore. Rick Baker. Chimpanzee eyes were superimposed over her face. Cat eyes and assistant accountant Laura Crockett were also considered. <laughs> oh, it's fucking weird. Chimp eyes. Oh, hold on. These were all just tests? Or what did they end up using? No, in the final version, it is special effects artist Rick Baker. His wife. His wife, El- uh, Elaine. chimp eyes. Wore a full mask with chimp eyes. But, they, over but they've they've since changed that, right? Yes. Like in like in the original version of this movie. Since now they've gone back and added like Ian McDermott or yeah. whoever plays him. But in the original one. I think I've seen that it. That is wild. I think I've seen an image of it before and it's kind of like, ooh. It's weird. Ooh. Yeah. Rick Baker is a huge special effects guy. Yep. He's done a lot of stuff. Yeah. The chimp guys, eyes. I have. He the woman like was e. too stunned to speak. I have never seen the original Emperor Palpatine. Like what it looked like. I think every single version I've seen has been yeah. the ones that George Lucas comes in and fixes up. Mm-hmm. That, that, this that, is that's a wild. an acceptable change. Yeah, I'll yeah, accept I'll that, that one. one. <laughs> so please Google original Palpatine. Well, hologram. we'll also have a picture of it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. 
That is wild. Yeah, maybe I do kind of agree with them for changing it. That is, I've never seen that before. That's it's really cool. the eyes. The eyes are the biggest defense. Yeah. So now we are on right, to Yoda. pre-production. <laughs> so beginning early 1978, although Kirshner wanted two years, this phase only lasted a year. Scouts looked at areas in North Europe, such as Finland, Sweden, and the Arctic Circle to portray Hoth, but they ended up on Alaska. It's way cooler. No, they didn't. It was <laughs> Norway. No I was going to say, I was like, I think I would have known if they had filmed <laughs> yeah. in Alaska because also I 100% would have visited yeah. where they did it at the, some point. The location needed to be free of trees and near populated areas for amenities. Okay. Kirshner credited a Fox distribution employee for recommending Finns Norway, although Kurt said it was Reynold uh, who had done so. Mm. I don't know. For the bog planet Dagobah, scouts looked at Central Africa, Kenya, and Scandinavia. To avoid shooting on location, though, Lucas funded the construction of a 1,250,000 cubic feet Star Wars stage. That's a lot of footage. Yeah. Wow. At Elstree Studio a London. Lot, a lot of space. To create the Dagobah and Rebel base sets. Construction began at the end of August, costing $2 million. And then at $3.5 million, the sets were the single biggest expense. Hmm. Um, and they, they filmed on sets in London for the first one, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. By December 1978, the budget had increased to $21.5 million for the movie. Ooh, More than wee. double the original estimate. Yeah, I eat that, that much happens, on a Especially weekend. with sci-fi. Yeah. Okay. The movie almost gets fucked. Language. I'm sorry. The movie almost gets shit fucked. Okay. At the start of filming in January 1979, a fire... On Elstree's stage three, where The Shining was being filmed, destroyed the space planned for Empire set. Okay. So the impact was really significant. It cost them a lot of money. The Shining was being made by somebody who was straight up cooler than Lucas. Yeah. And so the studio was like, hey, Lucas, give us your stage. Kubrick demanded Lucas's stage. No, 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 Fox. Oh. Fox was like, give Kubrick your stage. And they ended up using a portion of it, not all of it. So was Fox also producing The Shining? Must have been. Yeah, it was the same stage. <laughs> okay. So they got a setback on the Star Wars stage, but they were still able to use a majority of it. They just had to. There was a fucking corner that was just The Shining that they would have <laughs> liked to film in, but couldn't. Gotcha. Uh, and then they, the crew, traveled to Finns in February 25th to receive a flow of equipment and begin digging those trenches. All right, here's where things are going to start speeding up. Uh, Let's talk about music real quick, just because this is going on at the same time. Yeah. And then we'll start going into like Hoth, Dagobah, Luke, Yoda, and all that jazz. I'm sorry, jizz. Mm. <laughs> John Williams comes back to compose and conduct the music score for The Empire Strikes Back. John Williams strikes back and performed by the London Symphony Orchestra uh, at a cost of about $250,000. Williams began planning in November 1979, estimating Empire required a 107 minutes of music uh, for two weeks across 18 three-hour sessions just after Christmas. Williams recorded the score at Anvil Studios and Abbey Road Studios, hmm. London. Oh. Why do they just use the same like five songs over and over then? Mm. Uh, well, they're, they're themes, so oh, okay. you have to play them every single time something happens. Mm. Up to 104 musicians were involved at one time. The instruments included oboes, piccolos. Piccolos. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Pianos and harps. You got those ones. Yeah. You're like four out of five. Yeah. 
Part of five is pretty good. Now let's talk about Hoth. The I want to go to there. You want to go to Hoth? Mm-hmm. Well, Hoth didn't want them there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, the oh dear God, why did I put that? It's a is it is it a Norwegian it's like a Norwegian name? Give it a shot. Oh no. Well, Skanken is the hate you. Principal of photography began on March fifth at. Hard endangered Jorkellen Glacier. And in Finns, Norway, the cast and crew stayed in the town, conducting marginal filming on the outskirts of the town uh, and staging the main battle scene at a nearby glacier. Mm. Hoth's realism was aided by the largest snowstorm in the region's history. Wow. The snowstorm gave the set of Hoth a wonderful look with sub-zero 40 mile per hour winds at temperatures around negative 26 degrees Fahrenheit. T-shirt weather. (laughs) T-shirt weather. Also, the English translation of that place is just Hardinger Glacier. Oh, okay. Hardinger Glacier. Hell yeah. Avalanches blocked direct transport links. The dug trenches quickly filled with snow. Scenes could be prepared only a few hours in advance, and many scenes were filmed just outside the crew's hotel as the shifting weather regularly altered the scenery. Although Mm. Fisher was not scheduled to film scenes in Norway, she joined Hamill on location because she wanted to observe the process, and she would have been or she was, a very pivotal role, uh, making sure everyone didn't go fucking crazy. Mm. So she was very lighthearted, had a fun time. She just, like, uplifted everyone's mood. That is very important on a set. Yeah. Yeah. Unlike Ford, who was a nasty little gremlin man, (laughs) uh, Ford Mm. was (laughs) not scheduled for the Finns phase, but to compensate for the delays, he was brought there instead of creating a separate set in the Leeds studio. So he had to show up. Is this anywhere around the time that they all went with the Rolling Stones and did a bunch of drugs? I have no idea. Oh, okay. I just don't know enough about the Rolling Stones. No. No, Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford, like, apparently were like... Oh, well, this this is when she's starting to get yeah. into... Yeah, they had, like, a couple of little, like, oh, we're being crazy. Yeah, no, this is the time where she's starting to really Got fall it. off the deep end. But we're not going to worry about that. <laughs> Harrison Ford was delayed a few weeks because the snowstorm uh, didn't allow any trains to get in to the small town. So Damn, not the, even the trains? Not even the trains. The four weeks four <laughs> weeks into shooting, they were already behind schedule, and the banks started saying uh, they weren't going to give George any more money. The harsh winds and snow got into the lens, the lenses constantly, and all the cameras had to be tested in deep freezers before they were okayed to be sent out on location. Okay. They also had to replace the normal oil with a thinner version of it so that it would not freeze in the conditions. Mm. They had to bring heaters for the film so they would not snap while they were rolling. Yep. Trying to match conditions was almost impossible. They would try to match the type of snow, how much there was of it, how cold it was, and with all these variables shifting in the span of hours, to film the probe landing, eight sticks of dynamite were placed Mm. on a glacier to explode at sunrise. (laughs) However, You make it sound so magical. (laughs) We're going to watch the dynamite explode on a glacier at sunrise, babe. Do you want to (laughs) come? However, there was a delay, but the demolition expert in charge knocked the battery out of his radio and received the message too late to capture the intended shot. Oh. Oof. So he blew up that dynamite and no one was watching. At least it's 
Just dynamite. Yeah. Just destroying You just a put glacier. dynamite yeah. in the snow. Like, it's not like an intense setup. No, they just redid it. Yeah. A part of the Hoth battle scene is the AT-AT. Oh, what? The at, at. at this point, it is just known as the Walkers. We're done in stop motion on a set made up to look like Hoth. Anyway, it was like two ping pong tables put together made up to look snowy. And they were done in stop oh. motion. Cool. When animating the stop motion of the walkers, they had a motion camera that had 12 different buttons for the step motors for the motion camera. So they could do like, all right, let's tweak the this pass, and then we'll tweak this pass, and then we'll tweak this pass. A lot like how they did the snake thing for Beetlegeist. Beetlegeist. So that was cool. It was a long mm. stick. The snow speeders. Oh, and then do you want to point out, so we, we all watched yes. this together uh, last night, which... It's fun that we can do that now. Mm-hmm. It makes me happy. But when one of the AT-ATs falls... Yeah, there's a stick. Because they filmed it falling in real time. Well, they probably slowed it mm-hmm. down a little bit because it's supposed to be really big. But there's just a stick. If you're watching its back left leg, you can see a rod just push it up. Like it pops out of the snow. Give it a little. Like goes back eh, in. Make yeah. sure it falls over. Mm-hmm. But the snow speeders. Unlike the AT-AT, the snow speeder was shot in real time using step motors, much like those in the camera control. Mm. The fins and the pilot were both controlled, so you could have that little pilot in the gunner seat like move his head around. Right. So that was cool. You see that in like some RC cars and stuff now. Yeah. Oh, a really? Guy in there, and then like when you turn the guy like. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. I know that. Mm. Uh, filmed in passes on blue screen. These mats would then be put on top of the animated film of the AT-AT. The Wampa was a suit piloted by one man and stood some 10 feet tall. Piloted? Yeah, like a mech. (laughs) It was worn. While wearing the entire suit, he could not see a single thing. I was going to say the shots of the Wampas in, they... I think they do some good camera work and like cheating how they mm-hmm. do it. But yeah, it is funny when you really are just like, yep, that's just a man in that's a suit. That's just a guy. Just kind of moving around going. Bah. Yeah. Wow. There's also shots of like when the Wampa arm comes in to hit Luke. It's just like an arm on a big stick. Yeah. Yep. So now finally for Hoth, uh, the Tauntaun. The Tauntaun came in many forms. The there pocket? was a version of it. Where it's just like a saddle with like a head sticking out of it mm-hmm. uh, for the, you know, shoulder yeah. shots. There was a suit with fake human legs. Kind of like how you see on really crappy like blow up yeah. Halloween costumes. <laughs> yeah. okay. There was a stop motion miniature for the long shots of the Tauntaun running. Right. The miniature shot 71 frames of film. And for three seconds of film, it took them three to five hours. Wow. Okay. Now. Onto the stage, which is the second to last really big one that we have to go through. Okay. Filming at the Elstree stage began on March 13th. Production remained behind schedule without <laughs> stage three because of the fire. The incomplete Star Wars stage lacked protection from the cold weather. Mm. The crew had to work out of any available space. To save time, some scenes, some scenes were shot simultaneously, including the ice cavern and medical bay. Mm. Uh, Kirshner wanted each character to make a unique entrance in the film. While filming Vader's entrance, the snowtroopers preceding prowse tripped over the polystyrene ice, and the stuntman behind him stood on his cape, breaking it off, causing prowse to fall onto the stormtroopers. <laughs> I want to see that. Yeah. 
Oh, what if that actually happened? You think Vader would just kill them all? <laughs> he would Maybe. Probably. He would have stood up. No, no, he, fo- <laughs> he force choked someone he through a TV. He kills so many people in that, this one. Okay, that you can't be me for the last like time. a good system. No. Killing all of the like higher-ups just because you're you're Mad? pissed? Yeah. That can't, like, he, no one's going to want to do it. He force chokes like three of them. At the least. Like, and it's not because, like, I would understand that punishment if for some reason they didn't do their best. I'm pretty sure they're doing their best. <laughs> yeah. They're doing their best. Just, like, something out of their control happens and they get away. And then Vader's just like, all right, you're dead. People aren't going to be loyal. Just, like, demote that man and be like, all right, you can't do it. Someone else do it. Yeah. Kill no, he them. kills him. He's not a good leader, I don't think. No. Well, the shoot was... Not one pizza party is shown. No, not a single pizza party. Casual Fridays, non-existent. The shoot was strenuous and mired with conflicts. Mm. You can see I copy-pasted that one. Yeah, fancy <laughs> word. Carrie Fisher suffered from influenza and bronchitis. Double Her whammy. weight dropped to 85 pounds. <gasps> Holy cow. Oh my, that's not healthy. No. Holy cow. Working 12-hour days, she collapsed on set from an alert allergic reaction to steam or the spray paint that they used throughout the movie. She was also allergic to most makeup. Wow. Damn. So this also is, it didn't help her overuse of hallucinogenics and painkillers and anxiety while performing her speech to the rebels worsened her situation. So she was not having a good time. Uh. Straight up not having fun. Stress and personal traumas led to frequent arguments amongst Hamill, Fisher, and Ford. Ford and Hamill fell ill or were injured at at different times, which delayed the process. Hamill like, was what? How bad were the injuries? Uh, just like you know, sprained ankle, oh, fall okay. here, so, yeah, fall there, Trip fall there. here. Gotcha. It's just like things that no, you gotta wait out mm-hmm. to heal. Nothing like super crazy. Oh, okay. Hamill became insanely depressed by his isolation from human cast members acting mostly against (laughs) puppets and robots. How could you be depressed? That sounds like heaven. I find so silly that you can become depressed because you're working with a bunch of robots and puppets when literally 10 feet away, there's probably 20 human beings watching you. Yeah. Even how could you be depressed talking to our friend Yoda and he's sitting there and he's going... Candy bar, and you're like, <laughs> well, just because you're if, surrounded by people doesn't mean you can't feel isolated. You can't be lonely. Yeah. No, but if I went into a therapist's office and he just talked to me through a puppet the whole time, I'd walk out with a big smile. All right. Well, the Dagobah set was liberally sprayed with mineral oil. Liberals? Yeah. Those damn liberals sprayed it with mineral oil. No. That's flammable, isn't it? I don't think so. What is it? Maybe. I don't know. But. It caused him physical discomfort for long periods. Okay. Hamill called it a physical ordeal the whole time, but I don't really mind that much. <laughs> At one point, Oz cheered him up with a Miss Piggy routine. <gasps> Hamill recalled Ford giving See? him a kiss instead of reading his lines, entertaining the crew. Mayhew fell ill while filming Han's torture room scene because the set used bursts of steam, raising the ambient temperature to 90 degrees Fahrenheit while he was wearing a wool suit yeah 90 degrees plus fursuit plus humid steam not a good Mm -hmm. combo there's a bunch of stuff in here about money money all you have to know is that the banks were basically like hey if you don't get your shit together we're out we're taking control of the movie and you're not allowed to do this anymore lucas responded by going no fuck you and (laughs) uh 
that's all you have to know. <laughs> that easy. I have like, there's a lot of shit on here just about the money that <sighs> I happens. I don't know if we got to know about me. the money. Yeah. The money. So the only up, green we got to worry about is me. We'll pick up saying Hamill was unavailable for several days after injuring his hand during a stunt jump from a speeder bike. Having been called in for the stunt the same day his son was born, uh, exhausted and aggravated, Hamill angrily rebuffed Kurtz for not using a stunt double for the scene. Yeah, don't blame him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, guys... I, my son my just was son born. was literally just born Sick. how about you leave um your wife and your your new child and um come come jump around on set mark i have to tell you about jar jar, tell you about jar, jar. i've been be really thinking funny. about him forever he's the key to everything well bob anderson who was the stunt double for darth vader during the fight scenes was stated as saying the experience was like fighting blindfolded because of the costume you know because of the whole you got a helmet that fogs over body body so how many people were the body for darth vader was it just two prows and then two yeah prows and the stunt double gotcha hamill spent weeks practicing fencing routines eventually growing frustrated and refusing to continue okay Huh. So, okay, this is now we're on to specific characters, and then we'll talk a little bit about effects, and then we're done. So, first up, R2-D2. Not a whole lot happened here on the Dagobah set where R2-D2 gets spat out by the monster. That was in Lucas's swimming pool. Oh, okay. So, the main thing was... Uh, he swims? Yeah, well, he goes under the water. Mm. So, they really changed up R2-D2's body from aluminum. He became fiberglass and polyurethane. They added new motors. They swapped out the controls because they had so much problem with it in the older one. Right. And then he just became better all around. More more pleasant for Kenny Baker, I hope. Yes, far more pleasant. No more scraping his noggin against wires until it bleeds. Cool. Old friend. Now, okay. Luke Skywalker. He has... A lightsaber. He does. When practicing with this lightsaber, George Lucas was adamant that he hold it as if it were Excalibur because this motherfucker is pumping out so much power. It is 40 to 50 pounds. It's not actually 40 to 50 pounds, but he's like, pretend that a lightsaber weighs 40 to 50 pounds. So you got it's a sword. (laughs) You got to dual wield it like it's Excalibur. Hmm. In this movie, you see the lightsaber bounce off a couple things, mainly Darth Vader's arm. Mm. This is a hot topic in the Star Wars realm, the fan realm. And I have a few things to say. So get ready for... (laughs) He just adjusted his mic in his seat. Miles to rant. He just sat up. Okay, a lot of people in researching, there's a lot of people who are like, well, actually, a lot of materials in the Star Wars universe can withstand the brunt force of a lightsaber. Uh, And actually, Darth Vader's armor was most likely made out of Mandalorian steel, which is capable of withstanding multiple hits of a lightsaber. Uh, And then there's other people who are like, well, actually, Mm. lightsabers have different power values depending on how much force you put into it. And because Luke is, you know, not that strong with the force yet, his lightsaber isn't as strong. Motherfucker. Fuckers, George Lucas is a nerd. Okay, he's he based all of this on a fantasy. It's it's fantasy. They use words like wizards and magic. Okay, I don't want to tell you you're wrong, but you're wrong. They're Viking swords. He even tells Mark Hamill to pretend that it's Excalibur. They're swords that glow, and swords have blunt sides. 
Mm-hmm. He's just not using the lightsaber right. Like, he's untrained. He just doesn't know how to use it, and he's using the blunt side of the glowing sword. I've never thought about a this lightsaber is, having a blunt side, so that's interesting. This has been a mild hot take. Yeah. I think, yeah, the Star Wars community attracts a lot of, like, the, uh, I would call it, like, playground arguments. It, it's, it's like a lot oh, of playground it, this arguments. This one's stronger than yours because of this. Th- oh, and the midichlorians, oh, and you're like, bro, bro. You gotta cool it. Yeah. Also, a lot of this information comes from stuff that's not in the movies. Yeah. So, like, the the way I the reason I'm saying lightsabers have a effectively like a still really hot, dangerous. You wouldn't want to get blunt like touched with the blunt side because Darth Vader even goes like, "Oh, that hurt." Still though, George Lucas says to treat it like Excalibur. He's a huge nerd who got a ton of inspiration from Japanese samurai movies. Mm-hmm. Like they're swords. They have a sharp side. They have a dull side. It's mm. it's a glowing sword. So like, cool it. <laughs> Okay, well, after that, onto the Dagobah. All right. Uh, we're going to start with the ketamine frog. And if you're wondering why I keep calling him the ketamine more, frog, more. There's, a, there's an internet meme effectively saying that Yoda is addicted to ketamine. I need more. So it's funny to say that he's addicted to ketamine. Like a hummingbird, my like heart a, is. He looks like a frog. However, he wasn't always supposed to look like a little frog. You oh. mentioned earlier a little blue man. Yes, but not the part that I'm going to get at right now. <laughs> Another one, please. I don't want to eat it. Uh. Lucas initially considered having Yoda be portrayed by a monkey wearing a mask and carrying a cane. <laughs> that would have been dream. There are pictures of, of Yoda as a monkey wearing a mask. And I swear to God, it looks like a monkey wearing a Nixon mask. That's it. They tried to do monkeys for the Gremlins movie, and then they put masks on them, and they went ballistic. Yeah. Well, so somebody who had worked on a set with monkeys before was on the Star Wars set. <laughs> I just looked up Yoda. It's like a big toad. Monkey yeah. in mask. Uh, that- so they were able to be like, look, man. <laughs> this is the it. most absurd shit I I've ever seen. It. <laughs> it's just straight up a monkey in a Nixon mask with a cane wearing a little vest and shorts. Yeah. On a Sunday, I was. Hold on, did Lucas come up with this? <laughs> Lucas came up with this. Yeah. So, Lucas, my guy. I, I think that's a good one, though. So Somebody on set who had worked with monkeys before was like, my brother in Christ, the monkey's going to be tearing the mask off all the time. You're not going to be able to get him what you want him to do. Don't do this. And, and it's not going to look like a creature. Not, it's going to look, look like yeah, a the monkey mouth in a move. goddamn mask. So they ended up going with... <laughs> they ended up going with a, a creation. Ultimately, Lucas decided not to use the monkey due to Thank both God. work and character limitations. Yeah. Yoda's design came from Stuart Freeborn, a makeup artist who based it a lot off of sketches of earlier arts, you know, artistic renderings of Star Wars, which I, I'm going to add when we do the, the Instagram thing, because the early art for Star Wars always looks absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Freeborn sculpted a clay model of Yoda's head. He also incorporated many of his own features, blending them with Yoda's impish look. He's, many of Freeborn's own? Yes. He stated that the only part of Yoda that wasn't designed after some part of himself was his upper lip. Guess whose upper lip it is? Wrong. Stefan, check. Hold on. Uh, George? No. Hold on, let me look. There's actually no way you get it. Um, I'll give you a hint. This upper lip is to make Yoda look smart. Albert Einstein? Yep. 
That upper lip is based off of your boy Albert Einstein. What? <laughs> what the hell? Why? Why did you choose my lip to make me look smart? Why not my eyes or something? Yeah, yeah your, your, your eyes be bugging sometimes. Oh, that guy's got a smart lip. <laughs> he's got a smart I lip. I can tell he's a thinker. Okay. Kind of got hair like Albert Einstein, too. Yeah. Now, they go to Jim Henson to make the puppet. Jim Henson says, yo, I'm busy. So how about you have someone else do it? Maybe like uh, like uh, your boy Oz. So Oz makes the Yoda. What? Yoda, is he a Muppet? He was, is he a man? He was created by the Jim Henson Studios, by the company. Uh, he was created by Oz, who was basically Jim Henson's second. He's green. He is green. Are the street pals, Sesame Street, are they Muppets? Mm. Yes, they are. They are? Yeah, because Kermit okay. is in some of the uh, Sesame oh, Street he? stuff. Does yeah, yeah. Oh. I think for Yoda to be a Muppet, he would have to appear on Sesame Street. I mean, that's like asking is an alien man. Mm. Well, that's religion. <laughs> while, uh, so it's a, a false assumption that the Jim Henson company, or even Jim Henson himself, had built the character. What? However, oh, the realistic Yoda was designed and built by Stuart Freeborn for Lucas and uh, industrial light and magic daddy so while while the puppet was made by people who worked for the jim henson company it wasn't the jim henson company that made yoda Mm. like conceived the idea and the design they say even like everyone who worked on it yoda is not a muppet he is a creature Mm-hmm. So, in case well, you're wondering, Jim Henson's creature. <laughs> yeah, but he's he's creature. not a muppet. Yeah, creature. So anyone yeah. who's like, oh, Jim Henson helped build Yoda, so he's a muppet. No, he's a creature. Critter, a minch, a minch. Mm-hmm. Not a mensch. Minch. He's not Jewish. Yeah, I know. I have no god. <laughs> Only me. However, it was very fun. Uh, on one very difficult day, when Hamill was talking to Yoda. Hamill solemnly told Yoda, I followed my feeling. And Oz suddenly and randomly popped out Miss Piggy into the scene, decked out in lavender gown and gloves, and goes, I, I wish I could do the voice, Wait. but... Hello, it's me. Wait, no. It's Miss Kermit. 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 Hi, uh, Kermit. It's goes, me on the set of Star Wars. No, I lost it. Feelings? You want to know about feelings? Get behind this couch and I'll show you feelings, you, you little runt. Is uh, that, that's like kind of hot. <laughs> Where the hell is this? Give my agent on the phone. I've been booked in dumps before, but nothing like this. As the crowd howled with laughter, Hamill and Piggy went into a duet of the tune Feelings. And <laughs> Kirshner cringed. <laughs> Uh, I could joke about everything else, but not about Yoda, said the director. What was a bit about going behind the couch? I, I don't know. Was that a threat or was that a promise? Yeah. <laughs> I do think it's funny. I love those videos of like Muppets or Sesame Street characters, like the bloopers or when they curse. Yeah. There's a an interview that I watched like this last week with Jim Henson and he's got Kermit and then he brings out Rolf, uh, the dog who plays piano, and he like curses at one point. <laughs> and it's just, just so funny to oh, see yeah. like a Muppet do mm. that. Yeah, there's one where Elmo is messing with uh, Mr. Uh, Nero. Robin yeah, Williams. Williams. Robin, Robin Williams. 
Yeah. It's also iconic, the Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas outtakes that just mm-hmm. kill me every time. And when it comes around to Christmas time, I gotta watch it. Oh, yeah. Anyway. So now we're going to talk a little bit about the effects. This is pretty much we're going to wrap it up real quick. Okay. Real thing about the effects, because we talk a lot about the effects in the previous one. So I just want to reiterate, blue screen, multiple passes on matte paintings. We got matte paintings. We got a whole bunch of stuff. One thing I did not know they did until I watched the documentary is... They have a projector shoot out a giant version of of each frame on a table. And an artist has a giant, uh, what's the thing that they animate cells on? Cellophane. Yeah. Celluloid? Cellulite. That's, no, not cellulite. Cellulite. Cellophane. Celluloid. Fuck me. Okay. Wow. <laughs> a giant thing of celluloid. Uh-huh. And it's probably like two feet by however, right? Mm. So he's going in and drawing out all the wires and stuff like that for the snow speeders and and the tauntauns and all those things. Right. So it's like this giant cellophane sheet. He like clicks a button, the slide changes. He draws out all the little lines on the sheet, moves it to a pile, puts out a new one, clicks a button. And he does that like for every frame. Wow. And then they take all that and they put it into this machine that basically just photographs it again and puts that over the image. Wow. Which I thought was really cool. I didn't know that they would, because I kind of thought they would yeah. do, I don't know why, I thought they would do it on the little one. Yeah. But no, they just like blew it up and then sized it back down. Yeah, I don't, I'm, I know I'm a bad like film person, but it's like, I don't really understand the film science that much like of the film strips itself and mm-hmm. like how they can like i don't know how they can copy film or how they replicate it or how they could blow it up and shrink like i'm just like i don't know i'm a digital baby yeah well they they made a i can't remember the name of it but basically like a copier mm. that like takes the two pieces of film and then like makes the one film with the effect yeah. on it so they made a new version of that machine just for this movie Wow. It's silly. Yeah. In, like, in a weird way, I think it would probably be easier to understand than digital stuff because it's so physical. Mm-hmm. It's just like I am taking the one film and the other film and physically putting them together. Yeah. Whereas digital, it's like, well, the, it does this. And then I'm like, huh? Yeah. Huh? Huh? I mean, huh? you know those like little uh, little magnet things where like you put the, the naked person on the fridge and then like you had the little magnets of their clothes and you put yeah. them on top? Mm-hmm. That's basically oh. what film is. I thought you were like... <laughs> opening up i don't know weird... if anybody's ever have you ever gotten a computer virus where it's like a dancing lady no okay but uh yeah they used blue screen green screen hasn't come out yet i want to talk quickly about blue screen. i don't know if i talked about it before on why they use blue film comes because it's so sad three colors r g b to get those three colors they use Rugaba. yeah Rugaba. they use these like little crystals that you know become energized mm-hmm. when the kyber crystal. Yeah, when shown that like portion of light. And when you combine the three, you get color. Mm. But they are different crystals. And those crystals have different crystalline pattern. And so the, the green and red are larger crystals. So they're not as fine and detailed. Their resolution is lower. Mm. Blue is way finer. So when you're trying to get rid of that blue, it gives you a sharper image. Mm. Mm-hmm. The reason we made the shift to green is because green doesn't show up in human skin nearly as much. Yeah. Or at all, really. And in the digital world, you can just be like, remove green because everything is picked up at the same fidelity. Yeah. So that's that's that. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. I could probably ramble on for a lot longer about VFX, but I think we'll we'll probably cut it there. Star Wars. Uh, I was born. I mean, I feel like you covered it going through the different kind of sets they did. So Yeah. Yeah. Good. 
and my history. Mm-hmm. Yes, and yes, and yes. little Yoda's history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Empire Strikes Back would premiere in 1980. Mm-hmm. It, it's a little bit of a success. It's a little bit of a success. People kind of like Star Wars. It, some people. Some people. Not Harrison Ford. So its its ending budget was around eighty five million dollars, but thankfully in the, so the the initial budget was like twelve million. Oh, let yeah, me and re say that. There is a whole bit where I was like, you know, I mm-hmm. skimmed over all the finance stuff. Basically, that was a bunch of shit happened. They had to increase the budget a whole bunch. Classic visual, visual effects came in. Visual effects had to increase the budget. Classic, no. the budget goes up. Lucas had made like three companies for this thing, so right, right. The domestic Box office was $944 million. Wow. That's almost a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. That's almost like this is one of the most successful franchises in cinema yeah. history. It's its first year of, because that's like, you know, the 944 is the domestic box office over the entire thing. Is that 944 million? In, no, 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 in 1980 or like. Adjusted for inflation. No, that is in 19. You're asking him too in many 19. questions. You're <laughs> asking 19. him too many questions. In 1980. Okay. Uh, when it released its first like eight weeks, $547 million. And it was number one in the box offices for those eight weeks. So yeah, it made a pretty penny. And then all the toys. Don't get me started on that shit. That shit would be mm-hmm. insane. But uh, yeah, Star Wars was really enjoyed. And uh, number three. Number three is coming out. Number three. Woo! Isn't that right, Yoda? Yoda, are you going to be in that one? Yeah, a little bit. Oh, okay. Yo, your voice sounds kind of harsh. Forget the voice I do sometimes. I was trying to look up, because I know that um, relating this to Spielberg and Lucas and their friendship and stuff, in 1975 when Jaws came out, it broke like a box office record. Mm. And then in 1977, when the first Star Wars came out, that beat Jaws. And there's a newspaper article that you can find that Spielberg took out for his buddy George. And it said, Dear George, last week, Star Wars moved ahead of Jaws in domestic film rentals. Your hyperspace performance package really did the trick. Congratulations to the cantina crowd and all the forces of your imagination that made Star Wars so worthy of the throne. Wear it well. So I was trying to see if episode five surpassed episode Four, it didn't, but then ET surpassed episode five. Yep. Sorry, it just went and down then they wrote hole. something back. Yeah, the whole cute, cute little that. lovers they love each other and they just, you know, oh, uh, how cute. What'd you guys think of the movie? Uh, is that it? Are we done? That's it. Can I have the first take because mine's gonna be really long winded? Okay, go for it. I don't really have much to say. It's Star Wars, it is Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, you know it. We've seen it. I don't have any fresh takes. I, I I don't know if anyone has any fresh takes. It's Star Wars. I think that's, I like it. I think I like it better than the first one, but like I don't know. Honestly, that's the exact same for me. The, I don't think I could have put it any different. It's fucking Star Wars. Like it's yeah. better than number four. Yeah. It's good. It's just like it's it is Star Wars. It's it's, it's just like too ingrained in my brain for me to like really have I mean, yeah, I think the performances aren't great, but like that's the way it is. It just is the movie. Yeah. It's not if the performances were super good. I think it would actually be kind of weird because all everything else is goofy. So yeah. right. Uh, I was telling the boys when we were watching this last night that typically when I watch 
Star Wars. I watch all of them. So it was very kind of odd for me to just watch the fifth one alone. Yeah. Which now I want to watch the sixth one so I can have have that closure. Mm Mm-hmm. That being said, yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan of the original trilogy. Watch them all the time when I was younger. I do think something that I pay attention to more now that I've I think matured in my appreciation for film is just specifically the production design. Mm. Paying attention to the matte paintings in the background or like when they're walking through the station on Hoth, the uh the Tauntaun just like in the background and all the work they put in to really make this world seem full and seem mm-hmm. real. Because as goofy as some of this is, there's never a moment when I'm watching it where I'm like, I don't buy that they're on a planet. Yeah. You know? I I buy it every time, no matter how many times I've seen it. I do think it's goofy, you know, when they're in the giant space worm's belly and the camera's rocking and they're flailing their yeah. arms and they're moving around, but it does... Yeah. That's part of the charm, baby. I love it. That's part of it. And yeah, I mean, some of it, yeah, straight up goofy, but I think specifically, again, the production design just blows me away every time. I think they do a really good job mixing stop motion with like the real film and the animatronics. Uh, It just looks good. I think it still holds up. I hate that George Lucas has put in all that extra bullshit from like the 2000s version to... Yeah. I'm just like insert of like Cloud City. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing is... Yeah, there are remastered versions of this when George Lucas, because they were running tight on the budget near the end there. They couldn't add everything they wanted. And then digital effects come out and George Lucas is just like, oh, well, let's just go back and add a bunch of stuff. Yeah, which that also led to our conversation about how mm-hmm. Stefan was mentioning what Wes Anderson said. Yeah, Wes Anderson, I, I saw a video of him talking about how he feels when he completes a movie and it's it's cut and it's done, it's released, that that's it, that's it. It's the done. It's over. It is as it exists because people see it and when they see it they have emotions and thoughts and perceptions and feelings about it for that version that they see and when you change it it kind of like disrupts that you know you don't see van gut well he's dead but you don't see you know painters going back into the museum being like ah, i want to let me touch this up a little bit it's no it's there it's on the wall people are watching it you leave it be yeah so i do think that is a bummer and it always kind of takes me out every time i see one of them with the stuff that lucas has put in retroactively but yeah it's good it's it's star wars it's yeah you know what you get when you're going in yeah and it's a fun time from start to finish the movie's like two hours long and it i think i remarked on this with the first one it never really feels like two hours yeah. to me it feels more like an hour and a half kind of movie i think time moves quickly no matter how many times i've seen it so i think that speaks to what they've created and how effective storytelling it is so mm-hmm. good it's good yeah it's, it's star wars what would you rate it mariah you know what? I'm going to give it 8.5 monkey eyes mm. on a mask out of 10 for everything that I just said. I don't need to repeat it. So, yeah. What about uh, you, Miles? I solely because I know what's coming next mm-hmm. and the next one's better. I'm going to also give it an 8.5 dull lightsaber sides <laughs> out of 10. Um, I'm going to be, I kind of realize I have more to say. Because of my rate. What did I rate the first one? Are you able to see? Do you have that pulled up? Yeah, I can. You gave it 7 out of 10. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to give this one 7.5, 10.5. Is Star Wars this great? I don't know if it's just because I've seen it so much or because it's such a just cult. Like, everyone knows. St- like, I wasn't that, like, vibing with it when we watched it. Like, it was just kind of like a Star Wars. I know it so well. So that's the rating of someone who's seen it many, many times. And it's just like, I don't know. I don't know. I still like I still think it's good. I still had fun, but... Uh, there's parts where I'm like, okay, we're in the swamp, all right? And then like the asteroid bit when they're like, oh, we're in the worm. I'm like, okay, yeah, come on, beat it up. So I, I don't want to be a downer and don't send me hate mail. But I was like, eh, it wasn't as like, eh, in it. Quick question. 
How would you guys rank the original trilogy from your favorite to least favorite out of the four, five, and six? I think it goes four, five, six. Least to most. Four, oh, five, least, six. least to most. Yeah. Uh, I'd have to revisit the six, I think. I, th- I think I agree with you. Because it, it's either that or four, six, five. Yeah, four is definitely the worst. Yeah. I don't mind. I like, I like all of them. Yeah, don't get I me like wrong. all of them. But... <laughs> it's not like I hate four. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm a, I said this on the first Star Wars <laughs> one that we did luke is i'm a basic bitch luke is my favorite character Mm -hmm. so i like seeing the start of his journey however i like the arc at the end of six a lot with like his training and all that kind of stuff so that's why that one's my favorite and five just slaps in six he's the least whiny yeah i need to go get my power converters from my power converters from Tashi station anyway yeah star wars Mm. It's good. Yeah, it is. Yoda, what do you think? Pariah, what are you doing after this? Whoa. <laughs> hey. What? I, I was, yeah, bro, you need to step back. Would you, do you want to do this right now? I just thought that I... Okay, go sit over there. No. Okay, just shut up then. Don't talk to him. Don't talk to him. Don't talk to him. I'm sorry that I had a head in A baby I have. No, you don't. <laughs> He's Gragu. He's someone else. He's not... <laughs> shut up. All right. Mariah, what are you doing after this, though? Oh, I'm sorry. No, Stefan, what are you doing after this? Hey, what am I doing? Right, I have to do movies. So the next episode coming out in a time I won't say because that might date us is going to be Pan's Labyrinth. Yo! Directed by Guillermo del Toro. Uh, It's a subtitled film. That's all I'll tell you. Yeah. You're not thinking of the David Bowie one, are you? No, I am. Yeah. No, Which Pan's we will, Labyrinth with... We will cover Labyrinth at some point. Yeah, with but, the Pale Man. Wait, another very special... On, wait, there's a... Pan's Labyrinth is the one with the monsters and the... Well, I guess they both... The eyes? Yeah. yeah. The Pale Man. That's Pan's Labyrinth. That's Pan's Labyrinth versus... Labyrinth, Labyrinth has David Bowie in his oh. big bulge. Dance, magic dance. dance. Okay. And he's got a Fushigi ball. Remind me of yeah. the I don't know why Man. I thought Pan's Labyrinth was named something else. And then what's the big guy sound like? He's like... <laughs> that's just well, Yoda, that's Yoda. No, yeah. What? No, he goes like, no, that's Peach Dragon. I, Either way, Pan's Labyrinth is up next. Pan's Labyrinth. So get ready for even more special effects and makeup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Psh. Cool. All right. All right. All right. Well, send well, us out. All right. Well, join us in a couple of weeks for Pan's Labyrinth. But in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. We'll be posting uh, behind-the-scenes photos on our Instagram for today's episode. And you can find us at The Takes It Took. Mm-hmm. If you have a movie suggestion for movies like you'd like us to cover in the future, you can do so at thetakesittook at gmail.com. Uh, again, shout out to Rafi Burgos for suggesting today's episode. And uh, stay and safe. If you want to recommend what movies we do, hit us up. Yeah, do it. We love hearing what you guys think and what you guys Mm -hmm. uh, are interested in. So, yeah. But in the meantime, stay safe, have fun, watch movies, and... May the force be with you. And also with you. (laughs) And may I... May I find my God. (laughs) 